This afternoon I preach to you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 38. Looking at that part of Scripture, the fourth commandment, which is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The question is, what does God require in the fourth commandment, first, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained and that especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we we gather together for worship every Sunday, together with believers, all over the world in their different circumstances and their different situations, it's hard to deny that it's a very special day in our weeks, a special day in our lives. For many of us, the memories of, of dressing up in our finest clothes and spending time with family and members of other members of the Christian church, Christians who take their day off from work and school. Those memories go a long way back. We remember doing this even when we were little children. It truly is wonderful to experience the the joy that wells up in our hearts when we hear God's Word, when we celebrate the sacraments, we sing praises. And this congregation here, we hear everybody singing together. It's such a joy to be a part of this, to join in congregational prayer, to give our offerings to God, knowing that they serve in His kingdom in so many different places. We put our offering in the collection bag here and and somebody, another place in the world or somewhere else in our city receives that Christian love and we're a part of that. We're a part of that on this special day. And it's all the more wonderful when we understand that the practice of taking a day of rest can be traced all the way back to the beginning when God created the world. When he hallowed, he he set that seventh day apart. We give thanks that we today can join in with believers in the Old Testament who, who celebrated the Sabbath as a sign of the covenant that we can partake even with our our Lord Jesus Christ, who here on this earth and in the world we live in, he also fulfilled 
that fourth commandment for us by his obedience. And then after Christ's work on earth was completed, the scriptures indicated that the church continued to have a a special day for gathering for for worship, even though they began to give special attention to to the first day of the week rather than the seventh. They, They took a day of rest on the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and when the Holy Spirit was poured out and on Pentecost, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, that special day, it's called the Lord's Day. You can see where we get the, the titles above each one of our, our catechism, 52 Lord's Days. Parts of our confession designated for each Lord's Day of the year. And although some would argue that the rule of a Sabbath day rest was fulfilled throughout history, Sunday remained a day that the church honors and keeps in the context of the fourth commandment as we confess it together in the Christian church in Lord's Day 38. And today as we look at that pattern of work and rest that our Creator gave to us, we will especially focus on how our activities in the day of rest and the rest of our days Give us a foretaste of the greater and everlasting peace that Christ has obtained for us. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme that the Lord's Day brings the hope of everlasting rest into the present. We'll see the Lord's or the day of rest and the rest of our days. Now whether believers see resting on Sunday as a creational ordinance a command that is still in force, or a a tradition of the church, all believers are united in wanting to gather together with other Christians. Thinking of Hebrews 10 verse 25 where, where we are called to not give up the habit of gathering together. We love to to get together to think about God's work of creation, His work of redemption, His work of renewal by the Holy Spirit. We want to rejoice together in the fact of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ who conquered the grave on the first day of the week. We, we want to be together to, to experience the, the Holy Spirit as, as he was poured out upon the church on this first day of the week. We want to join in with the church of all ages that gathers in corporate worship before the Lord their God who established his covenant with us so that we might live with him in fellowship together. We want to enjoy the foretaste of this as we gather in worship together. We're thankful then that as we gather, the Lord also shows us what this worship looks like. We can look to the scriptures. We can see that there are several times that God's people, his covenant people, met with, with their Lord. Think of Leviticus 16 mentioned this morning, but Nehemiah 8 or Acts 2. Such meetings called by the Lord through his office bearers is at a specific time they take place in the context of the Lord's declaration that he is our God and we communally are his people. The meetings of the people in scriptures they always follow a a pattern. A pattern that is equal to the, the order of the sacrifices with a confession of sin 
followed by the declaration of the forgiveness of sins, and then instruction on the dedication of our lives to the Lord in our new life. And since the special relationship continues to be the basis of all our lives, we continue to use these biblical meetings as a model for our worship services today. This deliberate, focused, public time when believers gather together as best as they can in in the circumstances, it's something that's set apart from everything else that we do during the week. It sets God's covenant people apart from the rest of the world. So we gather in obedience to God's command and we gather to worship Him according to His word, the second commandment. We see that there's a dialogue in in every public worship between the heavenly creator of of heaven and earth and His people. He, He greets and he blesses us, even today, right here, while we're, we're gathered together. He, he reveals his glory to us in, in the law. He proclaims the truth in his word. He announces his grace in, in the preaching. And he blesses us. And we, as his people, respond. We use the scriptural words that he has given to us to receive his blessing to confess our sins before his glory, to respond to his grace and truth with singing, to obey the scriptures, to take hold of all that Christ has obtained for us in the sacraments. God speaks and we respond. For centuries, the church has gathered in this way. And so we get a foretaste also of all that Christ has obtained for his church in glory. When our Lord Jesus revealed the, the blessings of the kingdom of heaven in the early chapters of Matthew, Matthew 4 and, and Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, he showed us that, our, that all our worship as citizens of God's kingdom is only possible through his intercession. We, we looked at that this morning. We have our, our Lord Jesus Christ on the mountain with his disciples around us giving us the picture of every worship service where we are gathered at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, our our mediator who has gone into heaven before us, who sat down in the fulfillment of all the holiness of Mount Sinai, who's reigning as, as victorious king and who gives his blessings to all who humble themselves before him. That's a picture of a worship service. That's a picture of our prayers as we walk with the Lord. That's a picture of eternal fellowship with our Father in heaven. And then as our Lord continues in the blessed statements, the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, he reveals the the pattern that all those with the Holy Spirit would, would follow as we draw near to our Heavenly Father in worship. We see the New Testament fulfillment of the, of the covenantal meeting with God. We first leave the world in a deliberate act. We leave all its labor and its stress and its priorities and, and we lift up our eyes to the most holy creator of, of heaven and earth. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. As blessed are you who depend completely on God, who recognize their, their own poverty their own need, 
And he says, blessed are you who mourn. He's pointing, as we do that in the worship service, to that, that confessing our sins before the Lord, seeking the comfort of his, his grace. He says, you will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. It's the first part of our worship service, leaving the world and coming into the presence of our holy God and, and emptying ourselves out or, or humbling ourselves before him. And the second part of our worship service, after we've, we've confessed our sins and received assurance of the, the forgiveness of our sins, we, we turn to God's word. And the Lord speaks to us in our humility words of, of great comfort. And we read the scriptures together every time we, we gather together to hear the voice of, of the Lord who has forgiven us our sins. His words to those who have sincerely repented. And then again we hear the good news. Not only declaring that our sins are forgiven, but that we have new life with God in Jesus Christ. And this is, we hear in the preaching. And the sacraments. And then finally after that sermon is, and then the gospel has been proclaimed, then the Lord directs our hearts and our minds again out from himself and back into the world. Comforted by God's word, assured of the, the forgiveness of our sins, we direct our attention back to the world. And so the Holy Spirit directs us to give our offerings. And we think about the world around us. And we pray together for our neighbors and for our governments and for our labor and our studies and, and the mission work so that we might shine as a city on a hill. And when we worship our God with heart and soul and all sincerity, as we see the, the big picture, what we're really doing when we gather together we experience the joy of, of living in a relationship with the sovereign creator of heaven and earth through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. We delight in our fellowship together. We, we look at one another in light of what Christ has done for us. So we go to worship services not just to hear a sermon. It's not a, a lecture class or a university class where we go to to learn something, but we go to enjoy the rest that Christ has obtained for us as this is communicated to us in every part of, of every worship service together. We're lifting our hearts up to heaven. We're drawing near to God in our minds to respond to his word for us. Hebrews says we're gathering together with the, with the firstborn, with the, with the angels in heaven. Every one of God's children may be reminded and assured that their heavenly Father's arms are, are open to receive every sinner who repents of their sins and trusts in the Lord Jesus as their Savior. In the dialogue of the worship service, he strengthens our hearts. He strengthens our faith by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working right now, not just in the preaching, in, in every aspect of, of the worship service, every time His Word is on our lips. 
He helps us to see our place as adopted children. Our Father's adopted children. So the Lord's Day is like Father's Day. The day which our Father is honored. Honored for his faithfulness and embracing his children since he created the world. Adopted children gathering together to to talk about what our Heavenly Father has, has done for us. Rejoicing that His arms are always open to receive us. We, we can smile over that. We can sing about that. We can recount stories of that. Father's Day. The Lord's Day. Day when we experience the joy of being in His presence. Being assured that He will never stop loving us. What a foretaste of everlasting life. What a, what a preparation for the rest of the days of our lives. You see, sanctification, that, that's the process of becoming holy. Sanctification results from drawing near to the Lord. The further you are away, if you're turning your back on the Lord and going the opposite way, it doesn't make you more holy. But the opposite is true. The, as you draw near to the Lord, and His Spirit works in you through His Word, you become increasingly more able to praise the Lord, more set apart from sin. Because as we come into the light of His presence, as His Spirit works in our hearts and the worship services and through, the, through the, His Word, He opens our eyes to see not only our need for His grace, but also to know our Lord better. And isn't that But we need to know the Lord. And he makes our hearts then feel joy of being his children with songs of praise. He implants that gospel right into into our hearts. He instills new desires in our hearts. He does these things through the, the preaching of the word and the corporate worship services, through the sacraments, through this word as it comes to us in, in, in the Ten Commandments and in the songs that we sing. The Holy Spirit is working in this place, this time, this day. And he assures us that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. He assures us of rest. Rest for the rest of our days. For these other days, the days that are not the day called the Lord's Day, the day that's not called the day of, of rest, they also give us a foretaste of the reality of heaven. We confess that the the rest we have in Christ is something that we may enjoy all the days of our lives as we, we rest from our evil works. You can see that in in the catechism, the last part, as we let the Lord work in us through his Holy Spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. When we speak of an eternal Sabbath in our confession, we're using the well-known Hebrew word that was associated with God's rest from all his work of creation. The gospel message is that through Christ we have access to God's rest. That was in the display text, Hebrews 4, verses 9 to 10. For in Christ 
We are united to God. We have peace with God and, and with one another. And that peace isn't just on the Lord's Day. But it's on every day of the week. Christ doesn't just bring us into a place of rest. But he brings rest to us wherever we already are in this life until he comes again. Rest isn't about going to a place. Rest is about living in all in the rest that Christ has obtained and the peace that he has obtained. By his spirit then he makes everyone who sincerely worships the Lord resist the evil one. Willfully choose to do what is pleasing to God rather than what is against him. The rest we have in Jesus Christ is a source of delight that includes people of all backgrounds. And, and we could really see the connection between that day of rest and the rest of our days in the passages we read in Isaiah 56 and 58. There you see that connection. Those who keep the Sabbath connected with those who keep righteousness and do or keep justice and do righteousness. Isaiah 56 verse 1. Those who keep the Sabbath, there's an association between that and Isaiah 56 verse 2. Those who keep his hand from doing any evil. And then verse 14 It should be verse 6, Isaiah 56, verse 6, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Association between loving the Lord and keeping the day of rest, taking delight in the Lord. That's what we read in Isaiah 58, verse 14. So when the Holy Spirit is in our hearts and we're regularly worshiping the Lord, we, we get a glimpse of the heavenly peace with God on the first day of our week. And that glimpse of that peace and the rest we have in Jesus Christ permeates all our thoughts and all our desires and, and all our actions during the week. The day of rest is closely connected with the rest of our days. We see on the Lord's day, the Lord is good. We hear the beginnings of the future Heavenly choir, we, 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 we have the, the voice of our, our good shepherd leading us through the, the valley of the shadow of death. We have our eyes opened to the value of our lives, the purpose of everything that we do in God's kingdom. And we leave the corporate worship services and we enter back into our own lives and, and we see that every one of us has a purpose in, in God's plan, whether we're retired or injured or active or young, children, grown-ups. The day of rest is the source of strength and energy we need for our tasks during the week. The day of rest allows us to do all our work, all our tasks with a calm assurance in God's grace, with a, a hope in the future glory. We leave here, we, we know who we are. We're reminded of our identity in the kingdom of heaven. There are exhortations. There are reminders. The Holy Spirit shows us 
what kind of decisions to make through the preaching of the word. The worship gives us purpose, gives us a sense and understanding of our value, of our nobility in the, in the world, of goals, priorities. So we head from here as citizens of an eternal kingdom, as the theme of the family visits this year is it's pilgrims in the world. And we know that, that nothing we do is meaningless. No suffering is without purpose. That no slavery is permanent. For we are children of God in Jesus Christ. We have rest in Him. We have a foretaste of this rest every day of our lives. The rest in the Bible doesn't mean that we don't do anything anymore. But it means that we can live every moment in a transparent relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that relationship that we experience together as a, as a body of Christ every Lord's Day. We can live in the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins. A conviction that we are fulfilling our responsibilities. A joy to know that the creator of heaven and earth is our Father in Jesus Christ. And we can find rest in him. And so we go from here again. We start a new year. This Lord's Day, the first Lord's Day of, of the year. And we begin the year in rest. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. We begin the year as the church of Jesus Christ, living at peace with our Creator, but called to shine as lights, to, to carry that treasure out, to let others also see the King of Peace, whom we worship. Amen.